This is a national day of proclamation. Can you read at least the top line by the President of the United States of America, a national day of humility, fasting, and prayer. And the president is John Adams. He made that declaration in, in 1799. That's the one we're using today. We're using his proclamation of 1799 today. And Pastor Zach, will you come and, and uh, we're, going to, uh, we're going to pray. But I, but I want to preface a remark, so bear with me for just a minute or two. In 1799, you know that uh, you know the presidents have done this for years and years and years. We have hundreds of proclamations for National Days of Fasting and Prayer. We have them not only by the presidents of the United States, but we have them by by the governors of the states as well. Certainly among the 13 colonies, many, 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 many times. So in 1799, John Adams, president of the United States at the time. Uh, declared a national day of prayer on April the 25th for that year, and uh, he got together with converts, Congress in the city of Philadelphia on the sixth day of March in order to prepare for that and to prepare the document for prayer. Now, having said that, I just want to give to you the circumstances. No, we're not going to read, Zach and I are not going to read this whole proclamation. Number one, we, we're not as smart as they were back in those days, so understanding this, no, seriously, really, I have to be honest with you. We're not as smart as they were back there. There's no way in the world you're going to be able to read this document. I can't even do it. And, um, uh, and I've had a little bit of graduate education. You've had some, and you can't do it. We just can't do it. I'm just telling you, they're the words and the, the wisdom and the intellectual uh, ability here is far above us unless we read it very carefully. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to summarize it for you. Here are the circumstances, all right? The circumstances uh, are of great urgency and, uh, and in seasons of imminent danger, one of them being the most precious interests of the people of the United States are still held in jeopardy by the hostile designs and insidious acts of a foreign nation, as well as by the dissemination among them of those principles subversive to the foundations of all religion, moral, and social obligations that have produced incalculable mischief and misery in other countries. So you see, Adam says we need a national day of prayer because we're still at war. Uh, we're still at war in the world. We still have this bombardment of philosophy around the world that just destroys nations rather than builds them up. Socialism being one, you know, the French Revolution, uh, the anti, anti-God movement in that was rampant. And then the second, and then the second. The second was... Uh, from we, we need this national we need this national day of prayer because of the repetition of those awful pestilence visitations under which they have lately suffered so severely. Um, and so, uh, what is he referring to? He's referring to the scourge back in those days of yellow fever. The scourge back in those days of yellow fever. Now, let me just just briefly give you... I, I want you to make a quick comparison between then and now for just a moment, if I can find the page. If I can find the page. All right, here we go. In September 1793, and he's using this history book, he's using that as an illustration because in the city of Philadelphia and Boston and New York, these cities were inundated usually in the months of August and September and October, late summer. We were inundated by the, with, with a disease of yellow fever. And you had influenzas as well, but it just seems like almost every year the yellow fever would spring up in the city of Philadelphia. The worst outbreak ever in the city of Philadelphia was in September 1793. 
Philadelphia was almost a ghost town. Philadelphia, the most populated and prosperous city in the United States and the temporary capital of the nation until it was moved in, down to Washington in 1801. The members of Congress had packed up and left. President Washington had left every day. Carts, wagons, and coaches rolled out of the city carrying entire families to safety in the countryside. An epidemic of yellow fever had broken out suddenly in August. People who contracted the disease usually died within three or four days. You talk about the ratio. You talk about the ratio of the, of the flu and you, the ratio of, of, all, of the, all of the diseases we've dealt with in the last 30, 40 years. The ratio here is that almost one, what does it say? Almost one in every third, uh, um, people almost always died within three or four days of catching yellow fever. No one knew what caused it. No one knew how to combat it. The physicians were helpless. In mortal fear, people remained in the city, barring their doors and windows. They were directed not to handshake, directed to walk down the middle of the streets and all of that. When they ventured outside, they covered their noses and mouths with cloth soaked in vinegar or camphor and walked down the middle of the street. They burned fires in the streets to purify the air, fired guns, and rang church bells. It wouldn't be for another hundred years before they, before, was it Walter Reed? Came up with a uh, good Christian man, I think he was, and came up with the, um, um, the remedy for yellow fever. Late in October, after more than 4,000, actually the number is closer to 5,000 people, had died, the epidemic ended as suddenly as it had begun. People began to return to the city. President Washington returned. Congress reassembled. Shops opened. By December, life was back to normal. During the next hundred years, yellow fever epidemics raged city after city, especially in the South. Finally, well, there it is. There it is. It makes me look like I hadn't read this, right? <laughs> At the height of the 1793 epidemic, one of Philadelphia's leading physicians, Dr. Benjamin Russ, observed that mosquitoes were uncommonly numerous. Now you know what caused yellow fever. And... Um, Dr. Benjamin Rush never knew at that time how close he came to discovering the source of the dreaded disease. But Walter Reed um, of the U.S. Army Medical Corps found out what caused it, and, uh, and of course they worked on a solution. Now that puts it in perspective. That puts it in perspective. This National Day of Prayer in 1799, they just had had an out, a, a big outbreak the year before. It wasn't as big as the 1793 one but a big outbreak the year before, and so they were very, 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 very concerned. So we're going to, we're going to pray, and, um, and what we're going to do here is we're just going to go down through the reasons here, and we're going to pray as we go through the reasons. And so uh, President Jan John Adams says that we need to observe, in order to observe our National Day of Prayer, we need to, we need to come to church, we need to devote the time uh, to uh, our doing our religious duties in that regard, praying and spending time with the Lord. And we need to call to mind, number one, first thing he said we need to do is call to mind our numerous offenses against the Most High God. Our numerous offenses, the Most High God. Because, you know, prayer and fasting days are days of humility, fasting and prayer. Second Chronicles 7.14 says what? If my people who are called by my name shall what? Shall humble themselves. Humbling ourselves is that we are going to recall to mind our numerous offenses against the Most High God. And we're going to confess them before Him. And we're going to say, Lord, forgive us. We're going to implore the Lord, as he says, for his pardoning mercy through 
the Lord Jesus Christ, through the great mediator and redeemer. And we're going to do it for past transgressions and uh, praying that the grace of His Holy Spirit will dispose us to be more obedient as a nation, right? Okay. Having said that, whether, whether this is a direct result of any sin has, has nothing to do with the issue. The fact of the matter is we are in a cursed earth because of sin. And these issues always come because of the cursed earth that is a result of sin. So we need to go to the Lord and do that. Nehemiah chapter 9. I don't have time to do this this morning, but if I did do Nehemiah chapter 9 for you, when Nehemiah gets the children of Israel back into the land of Canaan, back into the promised land, first thing that they have a national day of prayer. And in their national day of prayer, they spend almost all of that time asking the Lord to forgive them for their recounting of past sins. Let's go to the Lord and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity we come have to come to you in prayer this morning. And we acknowledge as a nation that we are sinning against you big time. Father, we know that we always deal with these situations. This is not a unique situation for us. But it is a constant reminder to us to come to you and to confess our sins, knowing that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness through your Son, our great Redeemer, as, as John Adams has indicated. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us as a nation to acknowledge our sin, to recognize it for what it is, that you would help us as a nation to see that we need to, we need to change our thinking about our accountability to you. Nothing is greater in this universe than knowing that you're the supreme governor of the universe and that we are accountable to you. We are accountable as a nation, and we pray, Lord, that you would help clean us up. Lord, that you would help us to stop above everything else that we're doing, to stop legislating immorality. Lord, we ask this in your most precious and holy name. Amen. All right. Uh, do I have the next part or do you have it? Uh, oh, do, let's keep in mind that what does the Bible say? Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. His list of, his personal prayer list, really, that he would uh, want everyone to pray for that day. And he goes on and he says, pray that the Lord would preserve our country from the desolating sword, which we heard, and that he would save our cities and towns from that awful pestilential visitations under which they have so lately suffered. Pray that the health of our inhabitants generally may be precious in his sight. And then he prays, not just for the health of the citizens in America, but that also that after they're healthy, then they will continue to prosper as a country. So let's pray for that together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning because of Jesus Christ. We can come boldly before your throne. And so, Father, we do that, but we're also humble as well. Father, we pray for the state of the world right now, for the health of the world right now however serious it may be in certain areas and however uh, safe it might be in others, Father, we pray that you would bring your healing power to this virus, Father, that you would eradicate it. It's not too big of a job for you. And Father, I pray that as it continues to move, if it continues to move throughout this country, Father, throughout the world, that you would be able, uh, that you would bring peace to your people especially, Father, that in this time when everything seems dark and 
crazy and out of control, Father, that the people of God would stand firm and be able to offer hope, be able to offer uh, wisdom, be able to offer sanity in this time, Father. That when people look at us, they wouldn't see people overreacting, they wouldn't see fear, they wouldn't see anxiety, but instead they would see calm. Father, we have that calm because we can trust completely in your sovereignty. Lord, we know that you are in control of every single thing, that there's no atom in this earth, on this world or universe that is out of place, that isn't under your control, that isn't doing exactly what you would have it to do. So, Father, we thank you and we rest completely in your sovereignty, in your power. And, Father, we pray that, again, you would take away um, the anxiety and the fears around the coronavirus. And, Father, that, again, you would eradicate it. Father, you can finish it. Father, help us to be safe and healthy as we continue. And Father, as we continue to be safe and healthy, I pray that you would uh, help us as a nation to be a good example to everyone else, that they could see the unity that we have in you, Father, and that we would move forward under the banner of Christ, um, proclaiming your gospel. I ask these things in your name. Amen. After he prays for health and prosperity, then he turns to national leaders. And he says things like this. Lord, we pray that you would bless all our magistrates from the highest to the lowest. Give them the true spirit of their station. Make them a terror to evildoers and a praise to them that do well. We pray that he would preside over the councils of the nations at this critical period. Very timely. Enlighten them to a just discernment of the public interest. Save them from mistake, division, and discord and that he would make succeed our preparations for defense and bless our armaments. So after he prays for his leaders, the country's leaders, the world leaders, he also prays for our military, which is a right and important for us to do. So again, let's go to the Lord in prayer for these things. Heavenly Father, we ask for your guidance and for your wisdom for the leaders of our country, Father, for America, and for the leaders around the world as um, national leaders seek to Keep their people safe. Father, give them the wisdom, give them the knowledge, um, give them the right discernment in what to do. And Father, leaders in every organization around here, Father, around that are affected by this health scare, Father, please uh, show us what to do. Show us how to lead well. Show us how to honor you. Show us how to keep people safe, keep people healthy, and above all, to honor you in everything we do. Father, we also think of our military leaders and our military as they are protecting us. Father, keep them safe. Thank you for their sacrifice, their willingness to lay their lives down for our freedoms. Father, be with them. Keep them safe as they are called into action in helping uh, all around the country and all around the world. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, as you go home today, I want you to remember a couple of other statements that John Adams makes. As you know, these kind of problems create economical problems and other issues. And so John Adams says, and you alluded to that, but John Adams says that we, we would need to pray that God would favor us with fruitful seasons. He has blessed us, blessed us with harvests, bless the labors of the husbandman, the farmer, uh, that there'll be food in abundance 
that he would prosper our commerce, manufacturers, and fisheries, and give success to the people in all of their lawful industry and enterprises, their small businesses, and that he would smile on our colleges, academics, schools, and seminaries of learning and make them nurseries of sound science, morals, and religion. Uh, let's briefly pray about that and then have one final prayer. But gracious Heavenly Father, we do pray. We do for, for pray for a nation that is sinking deeper into sin than any problem uh, from a public health perspective. Lord, you have reminded us in your word that those who can affect the body are not a serious danger, but those who affect the soul are. And Lord, we know that the soul of our nation is being taken away with the philosophy of humanism. Our colleges, our universities are inundated with philosophies that are diametrically opposed to what your word teaches. And we pray, Lord, that somehow that trend will be reversed. And that as you favor us in this nation, that you bless us uh, financially, we pray, Lord, that we can acknowledge your goodness and the riches of your grace in those areas. In Jesus, your precious name we pray. Amen. And then finally, and then finally, um, John Adams, among some other things, but we've tried to highlight them for you, says that we need to pray that God would extend the blessings of knowledge, liberty, pure and undefiled religion throughout the world. When we were established as a nation, we were established with the idea that we would be a shining light to the rest of the world. And uh, that has been in jeopardy for many, many years. There's been enough criticism of the United States uh, because we're not that shining light on a hill that we once were. In some ways we are, but from a moral perspective, we are not. And so John Adams is recommending that we pray for uh, the ability to continue to be a, an example to the rest of the world in knowledge, true liberty, pure and undefiled religion. And then also, we're going to add to this his final comments, and I'm going to read them to you. And I do also recommend that in these acts of humiliation, penitence, which is, you know, repentance, and prayer, fervent thanksgiving to the author of all good be united for the countless favors which he has continued to the people of the United States and which render their condition as a nation eminently happy when compared with a lot of others. What does Philippians say? Be anxious for nothing. Everybody together, if you know it. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God with what two words that we leave out? With thanks. Giving. So as we conclude in prayer today, uh, let's, uh, let's make sure we do that. Lord, we thank you that things are not as bad as they could be. We thank you that you still have given us freedom in this country, unsurpassed by any country on the face of the earth. Father, we thank you for the prosperity that we enjoy even now with the downturn in our uh, economics. We thank you for the, the uh, prosperity that we experience and the provisions that you have made for us and continue to provide for us day by day, our jobs, our food, our clothing, our homes. We thank you for all of these things. We thank you for a nation that understands the value of freedom, freedom under your word, 
freedom under your care, freedom under your direction. We thank you, Lord, for a nation that still is the most generous nation on the face of the earth. And we don't say that in pride, but, Father, we thank you for leading us to care about the needs of other people. And we pray in your precious name that you would help us as a nation to be a shining light to the rest of the world in knowledge and liberty, true liberty, and in pure and undefiled faith in you. And as our founding fathers always acknowledged, Lord, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because, Lord, it's to you that we ask these blessings, knowing that there's nothing good in our hearts, there's nothing that commends us to you in any way, but your plan of salvation worked out at the cross makes it possible for us to plead your mercy and your grace. And that alone, in Jesus, your most precious name we pray. Amen.